we've been looking at Old Testament keys to New Testament parables. And this is the fourth part of that. We've looked at the new, the new Old Testament key, if we remember, is what? The Old Testament key is the two houses. Remember that? It's the two houses. And so when you read the parables, you read them in the context of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And that's your key. So when the, because we're going to go a little bit different tonight and hopefully we'll go a little bit deeper into things. When we look at this New Testament key, we found it in 1 Kings 11, chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 12. And that's when 12 tribes separated into two kingdoms, 10 tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. And the house of Israel became, that became the, the northern kingdom with their capital of Samaria. The southern kingdom was the house of Judah with Benjamin and some of Levi. And it became then, the southern kingdom became known as the house of Judah. And we looked at the captivities in the northern kingdom goes into Assyria approximately 120 years later. The southern kingdom of Judah goes into Babylon where we read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, when these two kingdoms were separated in 1 Kings 11 into 12, you'll find they become known as two kingdoms. They are two nations, two different nations. They have two capital cities, Samaria in the north, Jerusalem in the south. They become known as two houses, the house of Israel in the north, house of Judah in the south. They become known throughout the scriptures then as two sons. We have looked at that. The prodigal son is the northern kingdom. The older brother was the house of Judah. We looked at then how it was two daughters. We looked in the Old Testament when one was a holibah, and uh, that, that was Samaria or the northern kingdom, which means she hath her own tent, which means the northern kingdom fell before God and brought all other uh, heathen deities in. And remember, God married Israel in Exodus 19. We looked at it last week. So God married them at Sinai, gave them the law, the commandments, came down on the mount, and he consummated the marriage with this contract of the Ten Commandments as well. And then after that, we have the separating of the kingdoms when they go into um, uh, the Holy Land or Canaan Land. Now, we also have um, two daughters. That was a Samaria in the north. She has her own tent. In other words, she was bringing other lovers than Yahweh or Jehovah God into the nation. That's what they were doing. And then Jerusalem was called... Ahala, uh, Ahaliba is in the north, and Ahala is in the south, and that means my tent isn't her, for the temple was in Jerusalem, and their God was intimate with those in Jerusalem, or those through worship, spiritually intimate. Okay, so then you have the two daughters. We looked at two sticks one briefly one night when the Lord says, "Take the stick for Joseph." We're going to look at it tonight. Not the stick, but the name Joseph and others. Take the stick of Joseph. That's what the northern kingdom became known as, Joseph. And then the southern kingdom uh, was always known as Judah. So you have Joseph in the north, Judah in the south. Remember someone once wrote, wrote a book on those two kingdoms with those two names, and they called them Jews and Joes. So <laughs> it's Joe in the north and Jew in the south, and that's what they called them, the Jews and the Joes. And so here we have the northern and the southern kingdom. That's your key. Even into then, there were two men. There's the rich man and Lazarus. 
The rich man represented the Jews, not in a burning hell, but rather the hell that they would face throughout their dispersion or diaspora. There was Lazarus was the poor man. I haven't time to go into it. I went into it in a bit of detail uh, before. I think it was two weeks ago. And we then look at that when uh, Lazarus was that northern kingdom who sat outside the rich man's door. They were carried away into Assyria and around there and sat there for quite some time while uh, the house of Judah or the Jews lived it up lavishly with the temple and the oracles of God and all the blessings and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, uh, we looked at how then after that they are brought back through the gospel or we were brought back through the gospel. Last week we looked at two debtors or two servants. We might get a little snippet of it tonight. I'm not sure we'll get there or not. But we looked at the man who owed 10,000 talents when his lord came or his master came and he was demanded his money off him and that represented the southern kingdom of Judah. Went away captive and it says he cried on to his master. Remember he lost his wife and his lands and all that he had and that's what happened when Judah were carried away captive and we read about them in Babylon uh, and uh, we read about Daniel in Babylon crying on to God for him and Ezekiel at Babylon we read of the Hebrew children there. We, we read of, of Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down. Yeah, we wept and we remembered Zion. We hanged our, our harps upon the willows and, and so on. They were crying unto God. He gave them another chance and brought them out. They built the walls in the temple for the Messiah to come. And we looked at that last week. He gave them another chance, but they went out and grabbed the other servant that owed him by the throat. Who was that? The northern kingdom. The northern kingdom were grabbed, as it were. They were hardened, and they were hardened against their brethren, which were the northern kingdom. So you see the key opens it up all the time. You can get it online. You can listen to it. Or if we talk nicely, Denise will maybe run a CD off for you. Tonight, we want to look at this kingdom. We want to stay more in the Old Testament. There's so much in the new to do, but we you'll be here for a year. So I'm just giving you an idea. You can go and study yourselves. First Chronicles 5. 1 Chronicles 5, verse 1. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, I note this, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph. Now Reuben is the firstborn of all the, the boys that Jacob had. The very firstborn with the birthright. He defiles his father's bed. And we're going to go through this and follow this through. And so the birth is given to the sons of Joseph. Not even Joseph, but really the sons of Joseph. Hence the name Joseph. It still gets called Joseph, the northern kingdom. But stay with me. His birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. So it doesn't go uh, from Reuben to Simeon to Levi to Judah or anything like that. It go, went from Reuben right down the whole line of all the boys, Joseph, and then to his sons that he had, Ephraim and Manasseh. So it went to Ephraim. We're going to look at that tonight as well. For Judah, notice, Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. The birthright was Joseph's. So who owns the birthright to the land of Israel, Joseph's descendants. Will you turn with me um, to Genesis chapter 29? 
Genesis chapter 29. Now, there's a lot that we could read, but we're not going to read it all because I think we'd be here all for into 2021 by the time we get through all of this. Genesis chapter 29, and when we read this, we want to see how Reuben is born, and we want to look at where he goes to from there. So we've reversed our way back, and let's read, just for time's sake. If I can find him again now, Genesis 29. Okay. Let your eye run right down to... Where is he? What is it? 32. I'm reading it. I can't even see it. Let's go to 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. Okay, that's the firstborn, Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again. And bear a son, and she says, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. So here we have the first four sons. Okay, the first four. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Now, there are other, two other sons that come a little later on. And they are Issachar and Zebulun. But we don't need to, with too much to go through tonight to look all of those up. But just nip across, keep your finger there and just go across to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Just, just to show you a little point we finished on in one of the nights. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. And let your eye run down to verse 27. This is... The rich man. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. Notice, for I have five brethren. That he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now notice this. This rich man is typifying Judah. The house of Judah. Many sons has, or pardon me, brothers has Judah, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, and Zebulun. Five brothers. Can you see that? Jesus is saying, your brothers aren't here because they're away with the house of Israel. They're away with the other tribes. They're not here. And he's saying, let them, let, you know, go, go tell them not to be like us. Go tell them not to come to this place. So you can see the five brothers here. In Genesis 29 and reading on. And then um, you can also find it in Genesis 35. And then you'll find in Luke 16 that the Lord Jesus is telling this parable 
about this man goes into hell, has five brethren. And Judah is the sixth one. Judah, or the house of Judah, is those whom he's saying that they are represented by the rich man who had everything and fell into hell and was tormented. Okay, let's go back to Genesis, please. Genesis. And just for time's sake, let's go to chapter 35. Chapter 35. Okay, let your eye run down to verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Note this, mark this in your Bible, a nation and a company of nations or a commonwealth of nations shall be of thee and kings shall come out of thy loins. Notice, not only a commonwealth or a company of nations, but kings will come out from you. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. After thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon. And he poured oil thereon. And Jacob named, called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel, or house of God. Notice, and they journeyed from Bethel. And there was put a little way to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed and she had hard labor and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Fear not, thou shalt have a son also. And it came to pass as her soul was departing, for she died. And she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now I take note here, let your eye run down to verse 22. And it came to pass when Israel went in that land that Reuben, notice Reuben, this is the firstborn, went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. So here Reuben sins against his father by laying with his concubine Bilhah. And Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. So we have 12 sons. And then when you read on, you'll read of all the sons um, to Leah and so on, as I had mentioned as well. So when we look at this, here are... Uh, some of the son or the, the sons in their names, and this is what their names mean. So the first son was Reuben, and it means behold a son, or now look, a son. The second one was Simeon. His name means herd. Third was Levi, which means join to or to join. The fourth one was Judah, which means praise or praised. And then that's all the sons at this point to Leah, between Leah and Jacob. The fifth son was called Dan, which means judged. The sixth son was called Nathalie, which means my struggling or my wrestling. And they were to Bilhah, who Reuben had defiled his father's bed with. Is everybody with me? So they're, they're sons between Jacob and Bilhah. The seventh son 
is called God. God means a troop or it means good fortune. Good fortune. And the eighth son is called Asher, which means happy. And they're born to Zilpah, who was Leah's servant. Leah's servant. And then, of course, the ninth son was called Issachar. And his name means there is recompense or there is wages. And the tenth son is called Zebulun. His name means exalted. And Issachar and Zebulun are now another two with Leah. All Jacob's sons. Then we have Joseph. Joseph means Yah or Jehovah, Yahweh. Yah has added. And then Benjamin that we read off, son of the right hand or son of the right. Son of the right. So we have the 12 sons and they were Joseph and Benjamin, the last two, were to Rachel, whom Jacob loved. So there's the the sons. When you put what their names mean together in a line, here's what it means, you ready? Behold, a son is born to us, one who hears and is attached to us. Praise the Lord. He judged our struggle and wrestled. And brought good fortune, happiness, reward, and honor. He added us to his family and called us sons of the right or the righteous. That's the name of the 12 tribes and their meanings. See the gospel in it? Isn't that what Christ has done? God sent his son and done all of that. Even in the names of the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. Now we're going to go to Genesis 48, please. Genesis chapter 48. A little bit further ahead in time. Verse 1. We might just have to skip some of these just to let you know where we are. And then there's one reading I want you to look at. It came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons. Now they're in, you know, they go into Egypt. And here Joseph hears that Jacob, Israel, is dying. And so he takes his two sons with him. Takes with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee. I will make thee a multitude of people. Didn't we read that earlier? And we'll give this land to thy seed. Notice, to Joseph's seed, I'll give the land. Who owns the birthright? Joseph, yet it's Reuben's being the firstborn. He's defiled his father's bread and has passed right through all, down through all the sons, skipped them all, went right to Joseph. Can you see it now? God says, I'm taking off there. It's Joseph's. And then since it's Joseph's, it's then passed to Joseph's sons. They will become multitude of nations, a company of nations. Okay. Verse 5, just, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine. 
as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. In other words, as, as, as my first two born sons are, the first and second son of my, of my loins are, so Ephraim and Manasseh are the same. There's no difference in them. Let your eye run down. You read that when you go home. So what happens is he goes to bless them. He crosses his hands, Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph brings them to the father and he crosses his hands like a multiplication sign. He puts his right hand on Ephraim, the younger, on his head. And he puts his left hand on Manasseh, the older, on his head. And he starts praying a blessing. Joseph goes to remove it and say, no, the right hand should be on the older, who's Manasseh. And the left hand on Ephraim. And Jacob says, son, I know what I'm doing. So this was of God what he was doing. Verse 16. The angel of the Lord, here's the blessing, which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And let my name be named on them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. It sounds like they're going to be a little bit further than Canaan land, doesn't it? They're in the midst of the earth. It means in the earth they'll be known. There'll be nations, there'll be a company, there'll be a commonwealth, they will grow. They'll be fruitful. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head onto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn, Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. And he also shall become a people. He, and he also shall be great. So he's going to be another great people coming out of Manasseh. He also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. Notice, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Now, the Jews haven't done that. Sure, they haven't. Isn't that right? So then, we have to follow the thread. So he blessed them, saying, And thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Of course, that happened when they came out of Egypt and whenever uh, they came out through Moses. Just for a little sidelight, if you go to Hebrews 11, keep your, your finger there. This is actually mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Can you see how it's rehearsed now in the New Testament? Okay, let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 49. And what we have now in chapter 49 is Jacob's great blessing for all of his sons. He's already blessed Removed the birthright from Reuben to Joseph to his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And now he's going to bless the tribes. Now we're not going to go right down through all of these for we just take too long. But first one says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you. When? When does it say? 
in the last days. Christian, when's the last days? It's now, isn't it? It's now. The last days started at, uh, at the ascension of Christ, really, resurrection and ascension, didn't it? And this is what's happened. The history of these things starting to come to pass the whole way through the last days to the coming of Christ. The kingdom of God being built. Why? Because we have the key later on down through the years when they come out of Egypt. Remember, there was a man, Abraham, and then his wife, and then he became a family. And then the family became tribal people. And the tribes people then became a nation. They had law. They started having government. That's at Sinai. And then they became a kingdom. Whenever they asked for a king, and of course God gave them David when they wanted Saul, so they became a kingdom. See, God is starting to move it out. Now, okay, so uh, Genesis 49, uh, verse 2. Gather yourselves together, and hear ye sons of Jacob, hearken unto Israel your father. Now note not verse 3. Reuben, her firstborn son. Thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, the excellency of power. Sounds good, doesn't it? Now follow on the two. Pardon me, in the second verse, or in the verse four. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Now his father has removed the birthright. You have defiled my bed with Belha. My concubine, you will not excel. Thou shalt not excel because thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Then defilest thou it, he went up to my couch. That's it. Full stop. And he moves on to Simeon. He moves right on to Simeon. And you can see what he says. Verse 8, for example. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hands shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Christ will come out of this line. And then verse 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What's the scepter? The scepter is that which the king holds, the kingly line. So out of Judah, later on, when they become a kingdom, King David was from the tribe of Judah. All the kings, until the split came, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, was from Judah. The split came, and Jeroboam took ten tribes to the north, and they became two kingdoms. The northern kingdom became known as Joseph, or Samaria it's called sometimes, after the capital city. It's called Ephraim, after Joseph's son. We're going to show you that. Ephraim becomes the birthright owner and the firstborn. And when they're carried away, God starts to move on them, that he will make them into a company of nations and a kingdom. Okay. Notice here, then if you let your eye run down, notice the blessing in verse 22 for Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful boy. Even a fruitful boy by a well whose branches run over the wall. What does that mean? Coming out from the northern kingdom. They start to move out. They're taken away. They're between the Red Sea and the Caspian Sea, the Caucasus Mountains. They come over the Caucasus, where it's known as the Dariel Pass, the pass of Israel, and they come right through and start to populate through Europe into Scandinavia and into the British Isles. 
And the kings start coming out of them throughout the years. Now notice, Joseph is a fruitful boy, even a fruitful boy by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers of sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him and his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings. Notice, blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, blessings of thy father hath prevailed above the blessings of thy progenitors unto the most bound and everlasting hills. In other words, you're going out to the everlasting hills. You keep going out. They kept going westward. They kept planting. They kept building. They kept being blessed. They had all the riches in the ground and the sea oil in the seas and the sea gates for defense. And God's just doing this. When on the last days, it all started to happen. Notice, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Who was separated from his brethren? Joseph, remember, they put him in the pit. That's a type. Who was separate from his brethren, not only as a type, but as a national type? From the northern kingdom, Joseph, were separated from Judah, the two kingdoms, the two houses, the two sons, the two sisters, the two sticks. So, okay. Go to Deuteronomy 33. Remember, remember verse 3, pardon me, first of all, of, of Genesis 49. Reuben, thou art my firstborn. Verse 4, thou shalt not excel. Go to Deuteronomy 33, please. Deuteronomy 33. And if you let your eye just... Run down to verse, just for time's sake, verse 6. Notice what it says here. This is, uh, this is Moses given the blessing this time. They're out of Egypt. This is Moses given the blessing. Look what he says. Let Reuben live and not die. And let not his men be few. So Jacob Israel says, you'll not excel. And always you want to... You're not going to do well. You're, not going to, you're going to die out because of what you have done. Everything's taken from you and given away to Joseph's sons. Grace finds Reuben. Can you see that? Grace of God finds Reuben, just like the grace of God found you and found me. And Moses, the man of the law, says, let Reuben live. Prayers for him. Let Reuben live in a prophetic prayer and not die, and let not his men be few. And Reuben started to do better. Reuben never had, well, we don't read of it, that Reuben never had a prophet come out, of, nor a priest, nor a king. He didn't excel in that spiritually, but grace found him that he was able to go on. Doesn't it show you, you, you can, even, even in, in ourselves, that we can, we can fall into sin, and yet we're still his. And we can lose our reward. But grace still enables us to come back. Sometimes you think, you might find it's never the same again in this, at that sense because of things that's happened. But that's grace for you. God brings us along, calls us back in again. Moses says, 
Let Reuben live and not die. Okay, so that brings us. In fact, by the way, just jot down. You don't need, we'd not read it tonight. But in Ezekiel 48 and verse 31, Reuben, in what is given is the dimensions of, of, of a, and, well, it's really like a new Jerusalem temple. And it's not the temple that everybody's trying to build. That's a fallacy. But really, he gets a gate named after him. See how grace has found him? He acts as name is dead, and he gets a, great, a, a gate named after him. And in Revelation 7 and 5, the 144,000 read about, there's 12,000. His name is mentioned out of Reuben. So grace found him. Grace found him. And in First Chronicles 5 now, our reading, please. First Chronicles 5, we see here it says, now the sons, first one, sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn. But for as much as he defiled his father's bed, the birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph. That's Ephraim and Manasseh we've been reading about. The son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. So it can't be reclaimed. For Judah prevailed above his brethren. And of him came the chief fruiter. That's the scepter. So you have Judah's birthright, or Joseph's birthright and Judah's scepter here. And it says, from him, and from him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. The birthright was Joseph's. Okay. Psalm 108, please. Psalm 108. I wrote this today, and I tried to write it in a way that would be almost chronological as best I could, coming from cover to cover. Um, Psalm 108, and just let there again your eye run down to verse 8. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine head. What's the strength of his head? Ephraim. The son of Joseph, the birthright owner. Ephraim, this is his descendants now. Ephraim's descendants have been a tribe of Ephraim. They become known as the whole banner head of the northern kingdom. And here it says, Ephraim also is the strength of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. You notice now the names are coming here for two kingdoms. The key that we're talking about, the north and the south. Okay, so let's go to the book of Isaiah, please, chapter 7. Isaiah 7. And that's where I run down to verse 9. Isaiah 7 and 9. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. That's Ephraim, the capital city. So Ephraim is now the ten-tribe northern kingdom. The Samaria, Samaria is the, nor, the northern kingdom's capital city. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz and said, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. 
He's turned his eyes to the southern kingdom. It is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Can you see that? So now the Lord's promising to Judah, from the house of David the king, there will be a sign. And what is that? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, verse 17, The Lord shall bring upon thee, upon thy people, upon thy father's house, days that have not come from the day, notice, underline it, from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. There's that separation. First Kings 11, 1 Kings 12. They departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the uttermost part of the river of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. What is the scripture saying here? This is Assyria that takes away the house of Israel. They became aligned with Syria. The northern kingdom became aligned with Syria and actually fought against their brethren. 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 6 tells us the very first mention of the word Jews, J-E-W-S in the plural. Very first mention is the Jews are fighting Israel. The Jews are fighting Israel. And Israel are being supported by Rezin, or Rezin, the king of Syria. You can read it in that when you go home, write it down, you'll see. So they're different, two nations, two different People amalgamate them all together, but they were never together in the same. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 9, please. We all know this very well when we wrote letter I run down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now notice verse 8. The Lord sent a word unto Jacob and it hath lightened. Where? On Israel. So he sent it. Who would accept this word? The northern kingdom, Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim, and the inhabitants of Samaria, there's the northern kingdom, that say in the pride and stoutness of, our heart, of, their, of heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build in huge stones. The sycamore are cut down, and we will change them into cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up adversaries of resin against him, and join his enemies together. The Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. The Lord says, I'm I'm going to allow the enemies to come. Even those who you love are going to turn against you. He says, but my hand's still stretched out. All you need to do is turn to me. But they didn't, and they wouldn't. And so he sent them away captive. You go with me to chapter 28. So much more we could read between these. These are just snippets. Chapter 28. 
verse 1. Notice what the northern kingdom are like in the eyes of God. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which is as a tempest of hail and destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters, overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be fading flower, and as a hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. And in that, in that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Notice here, we're told that God's going to judge them. And he says, but the residue who turned to me, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'll keep my hand upon you. Okay. Go with me now to Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, are these. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger and the fatherless, the widow, and shed not on some blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. I notice this, verse 15. And I will cast you. So the Lord is saying, if you turn, this is to Judah now in the south. If you turn, I won't have you cast out. I won't allow the Babylonians to come. And if you do this and you live by me, I'll bless you in the house of Judah. And then he gives them some examples. He speaks of Shiloh, remember? The scepter shall not depart from between thy feet as to Judah until Shiloh come. Shiloh is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice what verse 15 he says here. And I will cast you out of my sight as, as I have cast out all your brethren, even, what does it say, the whole seed of Ephraim. By this time, Ephraim are gone. God has cast them out. That is the whole northern kingdom. They're gone. That's why the rich man in the parable says, tell my brethren not to come here. They're all taken away captive. Tell them to, uh, to, to not to come to this place. And the Lord says that they wouldn't hear Moses and the prophets. And even though one rose from the dead, they have to hear that. What is that? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how will we saved? The gospel of saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. And just let your eye run down to verse 9, please. 
They shall come with weeping. Jeremiah 31 and 9. They shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of the waters in a straight way wherein they shall not stumble. Notice, for I am a father to Israel. And Ephraim is my firstborn. Ephraim's away though. Ephraim's captive. Ephraim's gone about 120 years by now. And yet he says he's my firstborn. And remember the the lineage, the genealogy? Who was Jacob's firstborn? Reuben. Lost it. And I went right down through them all. To Joseph. Joseph's sons were Ephraim and Manasseh. Isn't that right? Now God says, even though they're carried away captive, they're my people. That's my firstborn. Okay? Stay with us and we'll look at something else. Let's go to verse 18, just while we're here. Verse 18. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoan himself. Thus, thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thy me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. How does he do that? With the word of God, with the gospel. Verse 19, surely after that I was turned and repented, and after that I was instructed. I smote my thigh. I was ashamed. I even confounded because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my son? Is he a pleasant child? <laughs> the answer is no, he's not. The Lord said, I love you, but I don't like you. For since I speak against him, I do earnestly remember him still, the Lord says. Therefore my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. Set thee up way marks. Make thee high heaps. Set thine heart toward the highway. Even the way which thou wentest. Turn again, O virgin of Israel. Turn to, thy, to, to these thy cities. I notice here the Lord saying, if you turn, turn, I'm calling you. We're called by the Holy Ghost, aren't we? He's saying, turn to me. If you let your eye just run down then to... Uh, verse 33, 31, pardon me, 31. So we're all in the same chapter, right? If you remember where we are up to now in this chapter. Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. It's the northern kingdom. That's Ephraim, also known as Joseph or Samaria in the Bible. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them to the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. This is the Ten Commandments. The laws and the statutes of God. It's my covenant they break. Although I was an, what was I, a what? An husband unto them. In other words, they were married in Exodus 19. God had divorced the northern kingdom of Israel, but never ever divorced the southern kingdom of Judah. And he says, I have divorced them. I'm a husband unto them. I had to kick her out of the house, which is out of the Canaan land. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their, I, and will be their God and they shall be my people. Will you turn with me briefly 
to the book of Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 8, please. The Lord Jesus has come. He died for our sins. He buried. He rose again the third day. He's ascended into heaven. He's our high priest, our great high priest at the right hand of the majesty on high. And this is what is written. Chapter 8, verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, that's Sinai, then should no place have been sought for the second for finding fault with them. So what was wrong with the first covenant? Nothing. You know what the fault was? With us. Finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their minds and write them in their hearts, and will be unto them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Can I ask you, where's the law of God today? It's in our hearts, isn't it? It's in our minds, isn't it? through the new covenant that's made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Can you see the jigsaw fitting together now? I'm going to have to wrap this up. with so much here, but I'm going to close. So, Ephraim is the firstborn. Ephraim now has the birthright. And Ephraim has the blessing. Ephraim is scattered. Ephraim, that is, as counting all the northern tribes, are scattered. They are now going Caucasus, across the Caucasus Mountains, Dariel Pass, over by Orsareth, round by where would be maybe Ukraine and Romania, around that sort of area, over into Europe, the British Isles, start forming and the gospel comes. The Apostle Paul goes to bring the gospel. Remember, he goes to go to East. And the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts tells him, stops him and tells him to go what way? Go West. Go West. Why would the Spirit of God do that? Because that's the way the seed went. And they were a multitude of nations now in the midst of the earth. We're the commonwealth of nations. The British commonwealth. United States, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, Scandinavia. The gospel came to those who were lost. Why did the why were we Christian and why did why not China or India? Why us? Because we're that seed, and God says, I'm sending forth the he betrothed you to bring you back to me. And that's what he's doing through the gospel. That's what he's doing. 
in his will. I want to look at one more thing. Not tonight. The book of Hosea is about God being married to Israel. And he says, I want you to go and marry a woman. And whatever is happening in their marriage and their children represents all that we are talked about tonight in the book of Hosea. And Ephraim's the whole way through it. Ephraim is the cake not turned. In other words, Ephraim was half-baked. <coughs> Ephraim is like a silly dove without heart. Ephraim is like this. And, and the Lord's looking because it's mainly 90, way into the 99% is to the northern kingdom. And Hosea represents God. He means, his name means salvation. He marries a woman called Gomer. And Gomer's a picture of the house of Israel. Gomer goes and commits adultery on on Hosea. She goes into the marketplace and the Lord says, go after her and find her and bring her home. And in the book of Hosea, he walks after her. He finds her in the marketplace of slavery. He pays a redemption price for her. And he says, I love her, she's mine. And he brings her back home again. That's all in the book of Hosea. And then the Lord says, Israel, you're like that with me. You're going into the far country like the prodigal son. You're like Lazarus outside rich man's home. You're away into the far country. You're starting to see it more now. She's away into the marketplace, the slave marketplace. Bring her home. And the Lord says, speak comfortably, deal gently, show grace. And he loves her and brings her home again. That's what God has done with us. And he came with the gospel of saving grace. So maybe look into that more in the Lord's will next Bible study. Okay?